1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and
0: Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This is FinCider Radio, part of the FinCider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to FinCider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton. And the Dolphins headed in to their game on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. Miami Dolphins 5-6, and losing a very tough game against the Indianapolis Colts. But that is not the focus of the stories this week. There are quite a few storylines heading into Sunday. We're going to try to touch on as much as we possibly can. We have Jordan Phillips talking trash about the Miami Dolphins. We have Kenny Stills, who may have had a little slip of the tongue today in the locker room. We'll touch on that. We have all the second-guessing of Adam Gase and whether his future in Miami is safe whether Ryan Tannehill's future in Miami is safe. We'll also touch on a few other subjects, including the throwback uniforms, which the Dolphins will be wearing on Sunday. A lot of the fans love those uniforms. A lot of the fans would like to see those become permanent. We're going to talk about whether we think those uniforms should be permanent or not. Earlier this week, we had an episode where we talked about the Miami Dolphins and where they go from there. We talked about whether they need a full rebuild, a full reset, or a little in the middle. If you have not listened to that episode, make sure you do so either after listening to this one or press pause on this one, go back and listen to that one, then come back and listen to this one. Lots of good stuff, lots of good information that we have not tweeted out in that previous episode. Before we get into the meats and potatoes, Sutton and Houts, I just touched on it real briefly about the uniforms. These uniforms, I mean, this is a really light subject, really fun subject to start off this today's show. And this episode, as we lead into the Buffalo Bills, Houts, I think you tweeted a little earlier today on Thursday saying that they should make these uniforms permanent. I am of the mindset they should not make them permanent. So, and I'm not sure where your thoughts are, but Houts, go ahead and why do you think the Miami Dolphins throwback uniforms should be permanent?
2: Well, I think you're crazy, and I know we touched on this, I think it was last year, and you kind of said it would defeat the novelty of it. But for me, I mean, this is what our childhood was made of. It might not be the same logo as they had back in the early 90s, but it's very, very similar. The color scheme, everything about it, I think, in my opinion, is, I mean, I mean it's one of the best uniforms in all of sports. And I think uh, for as mediocre as we have been lately, I don't credit that to a logo. Obviously, it has nothing to do with that. But, you know, that Jimmy Johnson, that cartoon Dolphins logo, I very rarely wear that one because, A, it's ugly as hell, and, B, it just reminds me of, you know, mediocrity. And then they got this new logo. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people hated it. They say it might look like an arena football team almost. I like the new logo. But for me, the throwbacks, what they're going to be wearing Sunday, what they're going to be wearing the following Sunday against New England, I mean, those are some of the best jerseys in all of football. So, for me, if they could come back and bring those full-time, uh, I would be ecstatic. I will go out there and buy everything with the new logo on it. I have a throwback Tannehill jersey. Yes, I repeat, I have a throwback Tannehill jersey. Uh, but for me, it's just it's just everything that I remember from my childhood, the damn Reno days. And again, the logo is second to none. And those colors, they did a hell of a job updating those to, you know, bring it to more modern times. For me, it's the best uniform in football. I can understand not wanting to use it every week because it would, might defeat the purpose of it and – you know, maybe it won't be a special, but for me, bring it back full-time, I'm 100%. I'm all in. Yeah, I don't
0: really care about uniforms, to be honest with you. I think the the throwbacks are cooler, and I like the graphics that they do on the field that kind of pair with the, with the old-school jersey, but I'm more concerned with the product on the field. Well, now
1: this Sutton has basically just killed the mood on the entire show, uh, you know, we're still going to talk about uniforms because I want to – Be the buzzkill here, and I'm sorry for doing this, but I've been the buzzkill the past few days. The Miami Dolphins just tweaked their uniforms this past offseason. They added that little orange to it and uh, sharpened up their colors a bit. Resolution G3 in the NFL rulebook says, be it further resolved that a club may not change its regular home and away uniforms more than once every five NFL seasons. It may not change its third uniform design more than once every five NFL seasons. Absent specific extenuating circumstances such as club ownership change or relocation as determined by the commissioner. So the Miami Dolphins just recently changing their uniforms. They cannot do so for the next five years. So I know this talk will continue, but unfortunately the Dolphins cannot do much about it until what? 2023 ish. I believe 2023 is when they can make a change to the uniform once again, but yes, how it's, I don't want it to become permanent because I do think that it would wear off. I do think it would become the new normal. I don't think people would get as hyped up for it as they are now.
2: So just to say uh, 2023, that's when the Dolphins might make the playoffs again, right? Is that, is that that's when it?
1: That's Yeah, maybe. Look uh, forward to Ryan, that. We'll still be looking at Ryan and whether or not he can take the next step in his career. <laughs> that's what we'll be doing. Horrible. One guy who is taking the next step in his career and his young rookie career is Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills quarterback. And coming into the draft, we had we were not high on him at all. I know all three of us didn't really love him coming into the draft. I think on our consensus, big board, I think he was maybe the uh, fourth or fifth best quarterback we had out there. But he's not having a bad season. I know he's been hurt a little bit, but he's uh athletic little kid. He's a tough little guy. He, I mean, he's not so little, but... He has, when he's in the game, you know he's in the game. When he has been out of the game with Derek Anderson, Matt Barkley filling in, it's been noticeable. And there were some uh, stories out this past week as we were leading into this show about Adam Gase and his love for Josh Allen. And some are saying now that Josh Allen was the one he wanted in the draft besides Baker Mayfield. Of course, the Buffalo Bills traded up to number seven with the Buccaneers to jump in front of Miami. They took him. And he has a huge arm, 6'5", 237 pounds, from California, went to college in Wyoming. Through six starts, Josh Allen has established franchise records for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a game, longest pass by a rookie, and most rushing touchdowns by a rookie quarterback in a season. In his first career road start, he led the Bills to a 27-6 win over Minnesota earlier this season. In that game, he became just the third rookie in NFL history to throw for a touchdown and run for two-plus scores in the first half. When he was with Wyoming in 2016, it led them to a Mountain Division co-championship and the school's first-ever appearance in the Mountain West Championship game. And as the two seasons he was a starter at Wyoming, he accounted for 5,833 yards of total offense and was responsible for 57 touchdowns, 44 passing, 12 rushing, And yes, one receiving. Now, Josh Allen was a no-star recruit despite racking up 5,269 yards and 59 touchdowns in his final high school seasons at Fireball High School in California. Didn't get a single offer from a Division I program. He goes to Wyoming, lights it up, and is a number seven pick. And he has impressed. And he has already changed my mind on what I thought you know, maybe he was one of the lower tier quarterbacks in this draft, but he looks like he has some potential moving forward. And against the Miami Dolphins, he's going to present some troubles. Yes, he has his flaws, right? He, he gets sacked often. Uh, he, he does throw some interceptions, as most gunslingers do. But we know the Dolphins have a tough time with the deep ball, and Josh Allen can certainly throw the deep ball. And we know they have a tough time with running quarterbacks, and Josh Allen can certainly run. So Sutton, are you looking at Josh Allen coming into Sunday's game versus the Miami Dolphins? How can the Dolphins limit Josh Allen? Yes, he's a rookie. They're going to confuse him with their defensive looks absolutely like they have with other rookie quarterbacks this season, just, such as Sam Darnold. But other than that, and in terms of his total game, how do you think the Dolphins will attack Josh Allen on Sunday?
0: Surprisingly, this is Josh Allen's first AFC East game. Now, they've already played the Patriots, but Derek Anderson was under center, and they just played the Jets, 141-10, to but Matt Barkley was the quarterback. And ironically enough, Matt Barkley has as many touchdowns as Josh Allen does in six fewer games and 179 fewer dropbacks. So, Matthew, I think, you know, I'll admit that maybe my bias is making me say this stuff that I'm about to say. But I think you're just kind of being nice in the intro for him. I still don't think he's that great of an NFL quarterback. Now, granted, the, the Dolphins met with him on his pro day, and we met with him in April, I had a private meeting with him, I believe, and you know had some representatives talk to him at the Combine. So I think there was some genuine Dolphins interest, and Josh Allen just became kind of too rich of a proposition for us. But when you look at uh, the the – The game against the Jaguars was his best professional game, in my opinion. When I watched all 22 on that game, I just felt like his pocket presence was a little bit better than what you saw in the first, I think, five or six games of the season. I can't remember how many he played uh, to start off the season before he got hurt. But again, this was his first game back playing against one of the better defenses in the NFL. And I think the real difference was he didn't get quite as jittery in the pocket when the pressure was getting there. And because he had a little bit more poise, he was able to kind of lock into his targets, throw some better balls, and move the ball down the field and end up winning that game 24-21. With that being said, when you look at the whole body of work, you're looking at a 42.9% adjusted completion percentage when he's under pressure. Okay, so that includes the fact that he may have thrown a ball that his receiver dropped. 42.9%. Okay, that's just simply not going to get it done in the NFL. Granted, he's a rookie, okay, but I want him to fail. I'm a Dolphins fan, so I'm going to admit my bias right now. When you look at some of the raw data, though, three touchdowns, five interceptions, he's fumbled the ball four times and only, only lost one of them, lucky enough for him. But there does seem to be some ball security issues with him. So when you couple the ball security issues, not doing well under pressure, I think you have to have a recipe of confusing him coming into Sunday. With all that being said, though, I've seen Thad Lewis come into the stadium and absolutely light us up. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't think Josh Allen is a great NFL quarterback, but we've made some not good NFL quarterbacks look really good at times.
2: Yeah, and it's easy to sit here and say he's not a good NFL quarterback because, I mean, he is a rookie still. He's 22 years old. He was raw coming out. Everyone knew it was going to take time for him to translate to the NFL game. So uh, I don't think the story's written on him quite yet. But uh, like can said at the top of the show, a lot of us, a lot of people in draft Twitter, a lot of the guys that you respect out there did not believe Josh Allen. He was one of those boomer bust products projects coming out and I mean you see it he has that huge arm he has the accuracy he can throw the football on the move he can do all the good things and then he comes out with the bad and the head scratchers and yes he played the competition at Wyoming he did not play against some of the the better talent in all of college football but from an intangible standpoint he is the prototypical quarterback and he's the reason that so many teams and it has been reported that the Miami Dolphins thought highly of him whether or not that's true I mean we'll never know but a lot of people thought Josh Rosen was the guy, and I think it was Armando that came out and said it was, in fact, Josh Allen that the Dolphins were interested in. And I do remember during the draft there being reports that Miami was looking to move up. Uh, It turns out that maybe it was Josh Allen. But no matter what you think of him, for me, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill. He has the bigger arm than Ryan Tannehill, but he can make the throws on the move. He has the accuracy. He can move. Uh, I do recall once on uh, Good Morning Football, he said that his fair – Favorite team to use in Madden was the Miami Dolphins because of Ryan Tannehill. And he saw a lot of similarities between the two. And I think when you look at this pro game, uh, there's they're pretty equal when you look at that. So for me, I think the Dolphins need to pressure the hell out of Josh Allen. They need to rattle him. Uh, it's hard to look at what the Bills have on the outside because, I mean, Kelvin Benjamin, that dude's, what did Booger McFarlane say? He's one cheeseburger away from being a tight end. And then you got Zay Jones on the other side. I mean, his weapons are not that great. So it's hard to sit here and say, you know, he's not that good of a quarterback because the offense isn't that good as a whole. But Miami needs to pressure him. He's still a rookie. They need to get in his face and force him to make mistakes because if you let Josh Allen sit back there and use that big arm, I mean, like Sutton said, we saw Thad Lewis destroy this team. We saw Tyrod Taylor. We saw Geno Smith. We saw all these quarterbacks who, against any other NFL team, they're just not that good. But for some reason, the Dolphins play down to their competition and it's a new team, it's a new regime, but it's the same old Dolphins. So for me, they need to pressure Josh Allen, they need to get in his face and rattle him, make the Bills become one-dimensional, because if you can stop LaShawn McCoy and force Josh Allen, a rookie, I think it's three touchdowns, six interceptions on the season. I mean, he's going to make mistakes, and mistakes are how you win these football games. I just hope the Dolphins go out there and get to him, because if they don't, he's going to pick them apart with that rocket launcher of an army he has.
0: I think that was a fair criticism to Houts. I do think the offense as a whole isn't that good. So maybe once he does get a better supporting cast, you'll see some better quarterback play from from him. I'll disagree on the whole accuracy thing. I think that was his one big concern coming out of school, and I still haven't seen enough from him on tape yet to justify uh, not having any accuracy concerns. So I do still think there are accuracy issues, especially when he's pressured. But when we're looking at, a comparison of a quarterback that might be coming out in the 2019 draft you might be looking at drew Locke out of mizzou i think there's some similarities there with the rocket arm and stuff so if we were interested in josh allen are we going to be interested in drew Locke? that will be a topic of conversation on a future show right just can't help but notice you know some of the similarities there
1: you basically took the words right out of my mouth. I was literally just about to say exactly what you were going to say. We saw that Adam Gase has, was obsessed with Ryan Tannehill's arm strength and physical um, attributes. Reports now coming out that he was impressed with Josh Allen's physique and size. And you hit the nail on the head with Drew Locke. And we will get into that as we will with all draft stuff at the appropriate time, not today. There is still several weeks left in the season, but it's just something to keep in the back of your head. Something that someone else has been keeping in the back of their head is the exit from Miami, and that's Jordan Phillips, who is very salty, very upset, so to speak, out for revenge against the Miami Dolphins, and he has not been holding back this week as he gets ready to return to Hard Rock Stadium. Basically, he was asked if he's going to be professional when that Dolphins play on Sunday. And this is what he said. Whoever has something coming to them is going to get it on Sunday. I don't care anything about professionalism, to be completely honest with you, going into this game. Everything's going to be handled in between the sidelines. Once we're inside those white lines, anything goes. Jordan Phillips, in four games for the Dolphins this season, had five tackles, three quarterback hits, a sack, and a pass breakup. Since going to Buffalo, where he's appeared in seven games, he's had 11 tackles, two pass breakups, played an average of 37% of the defensive snaps for the Bills. Phillips said that it's a fun place in Buffalo, a little colder, obviously, but nothing's changed. He said still playing hard, playing physical, stopping the run. Phillips was scheduled to hit free agency after this season. They ended up cutting him. Um, You know, Phillips was up and down here in Miami. Great motor when he wanted to took plays off, which was the knack on him coming out of college. But when he was motivated and ready to play, he was very disruptive in the backfield and on that defensive line. But at some point, you do need to cut your losses, and that's what the Dolphins did after he blew up a defensive line coach, Chris Kokurik, during a previous game against the Patriots. After that game, Adam Gase told Jordan Phillips goodbye. Jordan Phillips played a total of 48 games for Miami. He totaled 63 tackles, five and a half sacks, 11 passes defense, and one interception. Now, we're not going to really talk about Jordan Phillips as a player. We're not going to talk about the offensive line and how they can shut him down. We're going to talk about one quote that he said, and that is when he said, people leave Miami, and that's when their careers take off. And it got a lot of people thinking, is that true? And it is not true. Before I name off all the players, Houts and Sutton, and I just want to get your opinions first. Houts, you can go ahead first.
2: Yeah, I'm going to let you name off the, the different players, but one player in particular, Jarvis Landry. I mean, he's having a pretty bad season in Cleveland uh, since... Since Hugh Jackson's been fired, he's kind of seen his targets dip. I think it was something like 13 targets in the last three games or something insane. I mean, that's something he would have seen in one game under Adam Gase. But you can name off player after player where they go other places and, you know, their their career isn't quite what it is. I saw someone the other day, Olivier Vernon, you know, Lamar Miller, those guys, Lamar Miller's having a pretty good year, but he's still not what he was in Miami. Olivier Vernon, he's going to be cut this off season. So, I mean, we're going to get in each and every player, but I think it's a little bit bogus. I think a lot of these guys that do get casted away, you know, Ndamukong Sue, Jordan Phillips, Jarvis Landry, those guys, they're a bit salty when they leave, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was a spat between them and Adam Gase. I mean, that's how it seems. It seems like there's an ego thing here, but to say that those players go into greener pastures and have better careers is completely false. And Jordan Phillips, I mean – Who is he? He's a guy that got outplayed by Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor. He's, what, a second or third string guy up there in Buffalo. No one cares what Jordan Phillips has to say.
0: I agree with both you guys. I don't think there's really any merit to the theory that players that leave Miami end up doing better on other teams because I just don't see it with any regularity, not enough to – say it's a rule or anything so I, I might even say that the rule is we actually are pretty good at getting rid of the players when we're supposed to with a few outliers here and there so I, I don't agree with that the quote that he said that Philip said that had me a little bit more like oh that's not good was that he said that him and Gase didn't talk for a while so I thought that was more of a damning quote than what he said about players leaving Miami, because who knows, that might just be him trying to psych himself up to actually do something on Sunday, something he didn't do for us for years. You guys are being nicer to him. I He, he was one that I thought might get cut before the season started, just because he's one of those players that got drafted high. Like you said, MC Money came into the league with a red flag, so to speak, where he took plays off. And that's what we saw materialize. So I don't really have much, his, his quotes don't have much bearing, but that one did. The, the one where he and Gase aren't talking, that's peculiar to me. I don't know what to make of it just yet, but all I know is that successful locker rooms have at least a really good system of communication, whether or not, players get along and stuff i mean shit guys there's 53 guys that come you know that are on the active roster 46 that go on game day i don't know how many people you work with at your job but i work with about 50 people and i can tell you i don't get along with everybody that's just human nature so i'm surprised to some degree that more of this stuff doesn't come out and you know and it just made me think of Kenny Stills comments and maybe the PR team kind of went and sunk their fangs into him. And then he came out and was like, oh, I didn't really mean that towards any particular quarterback or anything like that. So when you get a quote like this, it really makes you wonder what is going on behind closed doors. How savory is the locker room? Is Adam Gase actually the player's coach that we all think he is? Or has he been like some of his predecessors that just seem to get rid of outspoken personalities and maybe the players that are challenging them openly in the way they're doing things. So we're left to try to connect the dots on our own, but that just didn't sit well with me having, you know, I know Adam Gase is not a defensive guy, but you'd at least think there's some communication involved.
1: Yeah. There, there's a lot of dots to connect with that. And we will get into that at a later show. We kind of talked about Adam Gase and his future, Previously this week, again, check out that episode if you have not already. But there's going to be a lot more discussion for Adam Gase and all his flaws and what he's done right, too. We want to cover both sides of it. That's going to be its own episode. So, Sutton, yes, very good. That is a disturbing quote. And we're just going to file that away again for a future episode. And when we talk about the future of Adam Gase once the season is over, but let's play a little game here. I'm going to list off all the players or quite a few players who have left Miami in the recent years, and I want you to both say yes or no. Yes, they're doing better. No, they are not. Jarvis Landry. No. no. Ndamukong Suh. No. No. Nope. He's averaged 60 tackles and 5.2 sacks in each of his three seasons in Miami. With the Rams, he has 34 tackles and three and a half sacks. On pace for 49 tackles and nearly five sacks, ranked PFF 27th top 10 in Miami. Mike Pouncey. Yes or no?
0: Yes. I would, Yeah, I'd have to agree with House. I think he has got better.
1: The stats say he has done better. Yes. Lamar Miller. No. No. I would say no as well. Jay Ajayi. He got a ring. Olivia Vernon. Hell no. <laughs> Gian, no. Gian Jordan. <laughs>
0: Yeah, actually, I think I think he I think he accidentally tackled somebody with Seattle. So he did by
1: better. default by default he's doing better because he <laughs> didn't do
0: anything here. So
1: one tackle of us that is better. Got John better. Jerry,
2: <laughs> next
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nolan Carroll.
2: He did, didn't he? Didn't he get better when he went to Philly? No,
1: no, he's out of the league now.
2: Well, well, yeah, but in Philly, okay.
0: We're he had five
1: interceptions in four years with Miami, three interceptions in three years with Philly. Maybe we could say he was about the same.
0: Okay, we'll go with okay, that. That's yeah. fair. I think he had one good year and then kind of fit.
1: Yeah.
2: Paul
0: Soliai. Paul Soliai. No.
1: No. Charles Clay.
0: No. No. Richard Matthews. I'd say he's even. I, we, I think. We didn't use him right. That was our yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I I thought he was a productive player when he was with us. Just didn't get yeah. as many opportunities. Eric Shelby. No, no, no. He went way down. Dion Sims. No,
1: no.
2: They got Trey Burton because he wasn't good <laughs> enough.
1: Jamar Taylor.
0: He had that one good year. He had one good year, yeah. <laughs> when everyone was upset that we got rid of him. Yeah. So and and I, yeah, I, for I, one year. <laughs> and I want to say he intercepted us when we played them a couple years ago. Of course yeah, he I think did. So. Of course he did.
1: And uh, last one, Damian Williams. No. Who does he even play for?
2: Kansas City. And didn't he have like three carries this year or something? I forget who tweeted
1: it. One yard, three carries, (laughs) 18 yards. That is such a shame. If he didn't get hurt, Kenyon Drake would
2: have never had a chance. Jordan Phillips.
1: Jordan Phillips, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, bro. Get out of here. Stay in Buffalo. Go away. You might have a good game on Sunday, but your career ain't taking off. I'm sorry, bro.
0: Well, yeah, he's going to beat up on Ted Larson, so he can he go is. ahead and pat we'll himself on the on back for that.
1: He will have a good game on Sunday. Someone who has not been having many good games lately is Kenny Stills, and he actually had a damning quote on Thursday afternoon in the locker room being interviewed by the media. He uh, said, I couldn't tell you exactly why I'm not getting more targets. I can't tell you I'm getting open. He also said there are other guys open on plays, too, that aren't getting hit. He also said I can't throw the ball to myself. He reiterated to Armando Salguero and other reporters that he was open for game-changing plays as well. However, a few hours later, he walked into the media workroom and said that his earlier comments about not being able to throw himself the ball is not being taken the way he meant. He said, I'm focusing on my job and doing what he can do. Says it wasn't aimed at his quarterbacks. I like Kenny Stills. He's a great guy. Do you think this is a case of the cat got out of the bag? Or do you really think that he misrepresented himself when he said this and it just came out the wrong way? Sign.
0: Great question, and I'm not sure because I don't live in Kenny Stills' mind. But what I'll say is I don't think Kenny is afraid to make a statement if he wants to. Okay, so let's put that out there. So I think had he really bought into it, I think he just would have left his initial comments as is. However, I can't rule out the fact that Dolphins PR went in and said, like, hey, this probably is going to cause more of a stir than maybe you wanted to when you go out and clarify with them. And, of course, he it caused an immediate
1: stir. As soon as they tweeted that, <laughs>
0: Dolphins Twitter was – oh, it was amazing. So let's just take what he said at face value that what he meant was, you know, just kind of a, a more of a general ailment, a general malaise going on with the offense – and frankly, he'd be right. And one of the difficult things about professional football and so many players playing on the same team, it's you know it's interdependent, so you depend on other people to do your job. And Kenny's clearly doing his job. You put out a tweet earlier that in that Colts game, he had four yards of separation. So, yeah, he's running good routes. And when you looked at some of the games before that, he's running good routes. Kenny still hasn't changed on that front. So... With it being interdependent football, though, it gets really hard to figure out where blame lies sometimes. So it could be one play where it might be the quarterback just makes uh, a terrible read. The second play might be, you know, Ted Larson gets freaking dominated and Tannehill has to roll to the other side of the field and, making Kenny's route obsolete. And then, you know, it's third and 12, and Adam Gaze is just going to run it and punt. So all of a sudden, you just see one drive disappear like that. And when you kind of multiply that time and time again, then all of a sudden you're going a couple games without seeing much from, from Kenny Stills. So it's disappointing because Kenny Stills is one of the few playmakers we have left. He's one of the best deep ball targets that we have. We just seem so focused on this within the 10-yard line of scrimmage, West Coast stuff, that we're not pushing the ball vertically. And it makes Kenny's job a lot harder because we're sending him down the field and it's like we're not even looking down there. So I can totally understand why he'd be really frustrated.
2: Yeah, and I would argue that Kenny Stills is probably the most talented receiver on the roster. I mean – you paid him to be that kind of playmaker. Sure he takes the top off of defenses, but you gotta find a way to give him the football. And twenty catches for three hundred and thirty two yards, four touchdowns, I mean, it's just not enough. And I think when the offense struggles, you can put the blame on, you know, Kenyon Drake not getting touches or or Ryan Tannehill making mistakes. But Kenny still need to get needs to get some targets. And we saw it last week, I forget who threw out the all twenty two, I believe it was Wingfield, and you kind of just see Tannehill's not going through his progressions and he's missing those wide open receivers and Kenny Stills I mean I do think he meant what he said I don't think he realized how quickly things would go south after he did but I mean you can't argue that the guy has been open and they need to find ways again the football he, he said you know he can't throw the football to himself he can't do it all but I, I touched on it last week. You see these fabricated touches for a guy like Devontae Parker in the screen game or the way they handled Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson. Sure, they were speedsters. But, I mean, if you look at their 40s, I don't know that they're that much faster than Kenny Stills. So why is he not getting some of those touches in the backfield? You know, those, those jet sweeps. Why are they not just trying to find ways to give the ball to Kenny Stills? Because, in my opinion, he's a speedster. He, he's... He's a problem when the football's in his hands. He's just not getting enough touches. You're paying him like uh, one of those upper echelon wide receivers, at least a solid number two by his uh contract. You gotta find a way to get him the ball. You gotta you gotta get him touches because at the end of the day, this offense isn't producing. It's one of the most disappointing things when you got a guy go like Adam Gase, who, you know, he, he's an offensive guru. He's this mastermind, but he doesn't find a ways to get his playmakers a football, and that's a problem. Sure, you can blame Ryan Tannehill, he missed him. More than enough times. Brock Osweiler missed him more than enough times throughout this year. But good coaches find ways to get their playmakers the football. You have to find ways to get Kenny Stills the ball. And I don't think he was out of touch with what he said. I think he meant it. I do think, you know, PR came up and said, you know, you got to clear things up because it's not a good look. But at the end of the day, Kenny Stills, he's part of the reason he's not getting the football. That's part of the reason Dolphins are struggling right now. Get Kenny Stills the football.
1: that's just another thing we're going to put in our back pocket for when we discuss this team as a whole at the end of the season. But you're right. In the current moment, the fact that Kenny Stills is seeing a dramatic decrease in targets is absolutely mind-boggling. Yes, uh, you know, when Brock Osweiler came in, we know that Brock cannot throw the deep ball. And Kenny Stills... It's more of a deep guy than an intermediate guy. This season, so far, through 12 games, he had five the first game. Second game was three, so that's eight through two games. Then another five versus Oakland. That's 13. Then six versus New England. That's 19. Then five versus Cincinnati. That's 24. Then Brock comes in. While Brock was playing, Nine targets in uh, five games. That included zero targets against Houston, which is absolutely insane. Then at four targets in the last game versus the Colts. So you look at that total for this season. He's had so far 8, 13, 19, 24, 26, 29, 30, 30 33, 33 targets. Receptions, he's had 6, 9, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 19. That's just another guy. And yes, uh, and I did tweet earlier through Next Gen Stats that the league average of separation, average separation, which is how much separation a wide receiver or a tight end is getting from the nearest defender at the time of the catcher and completion, the league average is 2.81 yards. Against the Colts, Kenny Stills had an average separation of 4.13 yards. It is not Kenny Stills. He is not the problem. It is a quarterback problem, it is an offensive line problem, it is a coaching problem. And hopefully we'll figure all that out as we continue on over the next few weeks. Something the Dolphins need to figure out very soon. If they want to make a realistic shot for the playoffs, which they need to win out. And even then they need some help is getting their offense back on track. And this will be our last segment of the show tonight. Dolphins against the bills. Bills have a great defense, Sean McDermott, a defensive minded coach. They play tough. They play hard nosed. And a lot of the, the, Recent meetings with the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills have been decided by one score or less. To be exact, they've alternated season sweeps in each of the past three seasons. The Bills swept the Dolphins in 2015 and 2017. Miami swept them in 2016. But each of the past four games between the two teams have been decided by one score, which is eight points or less. Miami is 4-1 and one at Hard Rock Stadium this season. Houts, Dolphins offense versus Bills defense, Bills offense versus Miami defense. Quickly, how do you see this game playing out on Sunday?
2: Sadly, I mean, LaShawn McCoy's had a pretty off year, and I think he might feast against this Dolphins run defense. I mean, we've given up. You, you know, you look at what they did throughout the year. I mean, on Johnson looked like Barry Sanders. Yeah, Sony Michelle go off. You you have every team uh, when they run the football seems to have success against this defense. So, I think Lashawn McCoy is going to have one of those games where you just say, "Oh, damn, that's why Lashawn McCoy is Lashawn McCoy." I, I hope they can get to, they can stop the run and get pressure on Josh Allen. Uh, I am a homer, so I mean, Dolphins in their throwbacks, they, they look good. Ryan Tannehill looked pretty damn good last week. Give Kenyon Drake the football. You need to establish that run game. Uh, I think all of us last week, you know, we said Frank Gore. This is a Frank Gore game, and then he went out there and he had a Kenyon Drake. They gave him 16 touches, and he just went off. And that's the kind of Kenyon Drake that we all expect from him. And I think he's one of the most explosive players on this offense, if not the most explosive. So you got to continue to give him the football. I think get Kenyon Drake involved. You know, find the Kenny Stills after he came out publicly. I think they're going to try to fabricate some of those touches. Uh, you need to win up front in the trenches. We talk about it every week. Get pressure on the quarterback. Establish a run game. Let Ryan Tannehill do Ryan Tannehill things and don't ask too much of him. I think the Dolphins win this one. I'm going to go 23-17 Dolphins.
0: Let me put it this way. If Buffalo scores 30-plus points in this game, Matt Burke should just start looking for a realtor right now. I'm done. This is that bad of an offense, in my opinion. If we can't contain Josh Allen and their limited receiving core, like you said, LeSean McCoy is LeSean McCoy. He hasn't been that caliber of player though that we're used to seeing so he has been a little bit down the buffalo offensive line as a whole is down if we cannot contain the buffalo offense this sunday it's going to be a really depressing sunday for me when you're looking at the buffalo defense though you know they're typically strong on the edge they have kyle williams in the middle I'm not too worried about them though. And the reason I say that is because one of the deep dive tape studies that I did last year was Laramie Tunsil at home versus Buffalo against Jerry Hughes and thought that was one of Laramie Tunsil's best games and handled the bull rush fine. He handled spin moves fine. He seemed unfazed by anything Jerry Hughes did. So I really do think our bookends are going to be okay. I do think Buffalo, that's their style to attack and, If I'm the Buffalo defense, I'm going to be attacking Ryan Tannehill too. So I think we need to expect that. And it's going to be – it's going to end up being trench play, in my opinion. Like most games for me, this game is going to be dependent on the trench play because we see how Josh Allen does when he's pressured. So we need to be able to, to force some pressure there. And on the flip side, we need to be able to protect Ryan Tannehill Uh, Because if he has even less time than he has to go through his progressions, which he already is not that great at doing, it's going to put us behind on offense. And this is going to be a really low scoring defensive game as a result.
1: I do think the Dolphins will be motivated to come out and uh, shut a lot of people up. Uh, A lot of players, I think, want to prove some people wrong this week whether that's sustainable or not over the next uh, five games and throughout the rest of the season remains to be seen. But I do think the Dolphins pick up this win at home against the Buffalo Bills. If they were playing in Buffalo, it would be a different story, and it will be a different story when they go up there later in the season to play them in Buffalo. But for now, again, Sunday, I think the Dolphins are going to come out hot. I wouldn't be surprised if they win by two touchdowns or more. I just think that uh, they have a lot to prove, and they have a lot of people to prove wrong this coming Sunday, and I think they will get the win. Shameless plug before we sign off, profootballnetwork.com. It is a new project myself, Sutton, and Houts are launching. We're going to launch December 29th, right before the last seat, last week of the regular season. Just in time for the playoffs and all the head coaching searches and all the GM searches throughout the NFL. We're going to cover all the hottest topics in the NFL, at least in our first year. As we move forward, we, our goal is to cover all 32 teams on a daily basis, but we will start with the most polarizing topics, the biggest topics and the hottest topics throughout the entire NFL. Outside and I'm excited to start this with you two. We started this podcast years ago. We're going to stay with this podcast. Nothing is changing here on FinSider Radio. We will still be writing for the finsider.com, still doing everything for the finsider.com. This is more of a side project for now, and then we'll see how it shakes out from there. But I have no plans to leave this podcast. Now, in a year, in two years, in three years, or four years, I'm here for the long haul. Outside, you ready for this, boys?
0: Yeah, definitely. Nothing's going to change on my front either. I think what it's going to do, though, it's going to force me to get out of my Dolphins bubble, which has been a really hard thing for I'm me to develop. Yeah, it's just, you know, I've always been that type. Like, I don't really give a crap about any other team other than the Dolphins, but still a just a fan of football in general. So I think this project is really going to get me outside of just the Dolphins bubble, really take a look at professional football in an objective way. I think it's, it's going to be a really fun thing to do with you guys. Yeah. Fun fact.
2: I was actually born on Super Bowl Sunday, so football is in my veins. I can't wait to, you know, dig into the tape. For instance, this week we could be watching Lamar Jackson film. We love our Miami Dolphins. We bleed teal and orange will that'll never change but i mean it's gonna be fun to be able to watch you know other teams around the nfl and hopefully get talk a little bit of fantasy football as well
1: it's going to be great i am like i said i'm excited to jump out of my comfort zone as well son i know we had this conversation back in cincinnati when the dolphins lost to the Bengals, but now we're finally doing it it's going to be nice to just you know see everything else going on in the nfl and see if the fan bases around the nfl are just as crazy as this dolphins fan base
0: we touched imagine. on a lot. Yeah, yeah I I imagine. imagine I, yeah, I imagine they are, especially Buffalo <laughs> fans.
1: I cannot wait till we start uh, not trashing, but talking bad about someone else's team, and they're all coming in our mentions, freaking out us. It's <laughs> fun to watch. We touched on a lot of topics tonight here on Finsider Radio. There are so many more topics we can touch on. We could do twenty-five episodes this week if we wanted to, all on different subjects. We talked about the throwback uniforms. We talked about Josh Allen. We talked about. Jordan Phillips, we talked about the Miami Dolphins defense. We talked a little bit about Kenny Stills and Ryan Tannehill and that situation there. We talked about the game on Sunday. We'll see what the Dolphins come out with on Sunday. If they win, they're still in the playoff race. If they lose, well, I think the loss against the Colts really sealed their fate, they're still somewhat alive, but I think if they lose on Sunday, it's definitely done for them. We'll see how they come out on Sunday. We'll see if they're able to shake off the cobwebs from the Indianapolis game and that devastating loss in the final seconds and we'll be back with you next week as we recap the colts game and look ahead to the rest of the miami Dolphins season for joshua Houts and aaron sutton i am matt canada thank you for listening to finsider radio we will talk to you next time that was finsider radio part of the finsider.com and the SB nation network
3: miami has the dolphins the greatest football team